Morning. Happy New Year. I'm so excited to have the privilege of sharing the word this morning with you as we're going to contemplate. Uh, you know, uh, Pastor David uh, invited me and he said, you know, we're about, we just, we're still in John. We'll be in John for a while, I think, which is awesome. And we, Advent. And then there's this break, and, and I'm so thankful for Pastor David and his family and that they're having this break. And, he, and so I said, you could do what you need. And I thought, awesome, another New Year's sermon about, you know, making resolutions. How many have failed your resolutions? No, don't raise your hand. <laughs> you know, uh, I used to be a big deal to make resolutions this time of year, and I don't you know, eat right, exercise more, and all that kind of thing. Don't do this, do that. More courage, less worry. And, you know, has the page turned on t- from 2018 to 2019, and that's a big deal? I, I don't know. Many of us w- would just l- love to go back and do 18 again. I mean, there's been babies born. There's been all kinds of things. Some of you is like, no, I don't want to relive 2018. <laughs> and I get that. Um, Kyla's cousin, my wife Kyla, uh, has a resolution thing she put in, and, and it's really good. And she said that revo- uh, resolutions are like the crisper drawer, you know, the drawer of good intentions. They're full, but then they become moldy and leaking gross stuff. <laughs> so all my best material, you know, pops up on Facebook, right? <laughs> Facebook uh, headline, uh, skip resolutions in 2019. I liked it. caught my attention. This, and it turned out it's from the Gospel Coalition, so it was good stuff. So instead, uh, Jeremy Lineman said, make a rule of life. So what if, our, what if we shifted our focus on dis- distinct or discrete goals to a more durable focus on rhythms and commitments? And I thought, that's really, that's really good. Do you know what my resolution is this year? And I want to invite you into it. It's to have more of the heart of like the Apostle Paul had, who could say that to live is Christ and to die is gain. I just, that's what popped into my head. My pastor had put that on a billboard for our church back in Oak Harbor when I was a little kid, and it's just always stuck in my brain. Why would he put that up about death? And that's kind of, but, but to live is Christ? To live is Christ. That's our question today. Can we say that today? Let's, let's pray. Lord in heaven, when I consider life and death and when I wonder about the mystery that you would give us life and a soul that longs for more in this life, that you'd give us breath, that you'd create within us a longing to do more than just breathe, but to have you. As we think on your words this morning from the book of Philippians, I pray that uh, you would create in us a heart like Paul that would want to live for you. Holy Spirit, help us to hear you and respond. In Jesus' name, amen. So our text this morning is to live as Christ, to die as gain. But the context of it is really all of Philippians. So we're going to read all of Philippians. Uh, No. Boy, you went like, "Uh, what? But the truth is that the Philippian church would have received Paul's letter. They would have known Paul and been eager to hear all of it. They would not have put up with, hey, I'm going to read three sentences and we'll see you next week. (laughs) They would have drunk in the whole letter all at once, right, and heard all of Paul's thoughts for them. But at least we'll do a third of it, okay? We'll do a chunk. And and so let's hear the word of God together, starting with verse 3 from Philippians. Paul says, and God says to us, 
I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense of the confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ to the glory and praise of God. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become well known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest of my that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means more fruitful labor for me. Yet, which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart to be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents." This is a a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Don't you just love the heart of the Apostle Paul? He, He loves Christ. He wants Christ more than anything, and he loves the church. Now, this used to be the radical, enthusiastic, law-keeping, well, to the best of his ability, of course. Nobody keeps the law, right? But he was a, he was a zealot, a Jew, pursuing Christians in order to keep that message that the Christians were spreading from spreading. And, but he is also the man who was knocked to his knees on that Emmaus low, and he, 
road, and he saw the living Christ face to face and was changed and did a 180-degree turn in his life, in his heart, and he preached Christ and him crucified. Now, though he had all knowledge of the law and the prophets at his disposal, you saw, you, you know from his letters that he wanted to know nothing but Christ. He writes to the Philippian church, his dear children in the faith, because he loves them and he's thankful for their faith. And he's thankful for their financial support he's received in the gospel. And he has a concern for them, right? He's concerned that they resist the false teaching that keeps creeping into the church again and again. And in, in this case, uh, the false teaching could have been one of two things or both, I don't know, but was that, you know, you've got to be circumcised. You've got to keep the feast festivals. You've got to keep the, the you know, the, the, the law more carefully, the holidays. And some scholars even think it might have been Gnostics coming in. They're the people that were teaching, okay, this, this gospel's good, but we have this other secret knowledge that you need to learn about. And you've got to follow our teaching because we have the secret knowledge. I wonder, and I think he was, I wonder if Paul was just becoming weary of the constant laboring and the suffering to not only start churches. I mean, he started so many churches and loved each one, but preaching the gospel, but he'd be receiving the beatings, being imprisoned, traveling, sometimes even shipwrecked, worrying about the souls of the, the, his children in the faith as he preached. For Paul was glad that Christ was being proclaimed, but weary of the suffering. That may be a stretch, but he makes a statement to the Philippians, to live is Christ, to die is gain. And he even said that statement, I wonder which I would choose, if I could choose right now to die or to to live. So we're going to start today briefly with the second part, to die is gain. The apostle might be truly tired. In fact, it almost seems as if he would choose to die. Why? Because what Paul really longs for most of all is to know Christ, to see him face to face again, like he did on that fantastic day on the road. To die for him would be ultimate gain, heaven, eternal bliss. No more chains with blood running down his wrists, no more stench of the prisons, no more days of Days and days of being on death row, not knowing if this would be his final day. Or even if he gets out of prison, another journey, another living possibly in hunger, getting to the next city, another, uh, another shipwreck, who knows? Uh, you know, the responsibility of taking care of his traveling companions and disciples and seeing that their needs are provided for and his own needs. Preaching the gospel was excruciatingly hard work. It was dangerous work. It was a particular kind of suffering and slavery to his Christ and to the bride of Christ that, well, the bride of Christ didn't always respond in kindness to that. It was laborious to correct his children again and again, sometimes wondering if it would be in vain. Would it, have, would it be reward for Paul to finally die and get to be face to face with Jesus again? And to have that Jesus wrap his loving arms around him and say, come into my rest, my child. In fact, probably here, well done, good and faithful servant. Yet, 
Paul was willing to continue. He would rather suffer and die, or he'd rather suffer and love and, than, and enter, than die and enter into his rest if yet another heart would be blessed with the gospel, if yet his children in the faith would grow and learn and spread the, the good news of the gospel. And he'd be willing to do that, to continue to live for that opportunity to see that happen. So his heart was of love for Christ, but to, uh, for his church to grow. So to live is Christ, and to die is gain. We get the die part. How many of us sometimes think, come Lord Jesus, <laughs> 2018 was a tough year, or just life is difficult, come Lord, take me. I, I don't prefer to die because I don't really want to you know, suffer, but I'm sorry, I can, I'm being a little morose here, but... But what is to live is Christ. For Paul, we know it was spreading the good news. That's the ultimate life for him. But hey, that's Paul's calling, right? I mean, he was an apostle. I mean, he was a gifted evangelist. You know, he could argue with the Jews in the synagogue. He could preach. He could teach. He could disciple other pastors. He was something special. He must have been an amazing man. Well, if I were to go around town, and do a man-on-the-street interview, what would I get? To live is, well, to live is to have a good job, to have 2.5 kids, to have a warm home. At least one of the vehicles should be four-wheel drive because I'm in Cedar Woolley. You know, I mean, to, <laughs> to live is to love is another, is a more, you know, a, a little deeper. To live is to love. Or if you're a Harley guy, to live is to uh, ride, or to ride is to live, uh, you know, uh, or to live is to be at peace with God and to know I'm going to heaven. Is perhaps somebody who's in Christ would give you that answer. To live, you know, I want to go to heaven. And, you know, or, to, or if you're really spiritual, to really live is to win souls. Well, with the help of Paul's letter to Philippians, we're going to tease out the nuances of what I think he was saying to live is Christ. Not to live is to but to live is Christ. And, I'm gonna, and we're going to find it's to know Christ, to know and be known by his body, and to make him known. So I don't know if you have a, uh, any notes in there, but uh, here, you, you, let's just fill in your notes all at once if you want to. Otherwise, just listen in. But to know Christ, to know Christ is to be in relationship, relationship with him. Number two, to know and to be known in his body to be in Christ is to be in fellowship with his body. So you have relationship with Christ, you have fellowship with his body, and is to make him known. So the church is an outpost. Those are my three main points this morning. Um, to know Christ, for Christ is to be my all in all. It's my Christ is my everything, is to know Christ. He is my deepest joy, my greatest treasure in life, and I would want nothing more than to have a relationship with him. That's to know Christ. To be known is this idea that this is, this is a body of Christ. We, are, we come here Sunday after Sunday. We have two services, and it, it feels like an event. But what Christ's body really is, is a family, is a church. And so it's so much more than Sunday service. And it's so much more than saying, hello, how are you? Have a good week. Be blessed. And we'll, have, we'll do more on that in a minute. And lastly, for number three, to make him known is that to live is Christ is to actually be concerned that others would hear the good news. 
for Paul to live is Christ. If I were to go back on the street and, uh, and ask the average person, do you believe in Christ? And if they were to say um, yes, and I were to ask them, why did he die on the cross? They might say, what? To pay for my sins. That's a good answer. Um, if I push them, they might even say, to save us from hell. Or they might say, to go to heaven. He died on the cross so that I might go to heaven, which are all truth. But if I ask him why, what do you mean why? So he died on the cross for more than sin and two places called heaven and hell? Or is it something more, is it even something more basic? And I mean basic not in the sense of simple, but basic in the sense of elemental or chief or a first thing, you know, firstly. It's to bring us to himself. Our purpose is relationship with God. Our joy is to see him face to face, to have a loving relationship with him. And we deeply want that. It's, it's deeper than we even know. God himself. 1 Peter 3.18 says that Christ suffered the righteous for the unrighteous, that he what? Might bring us to God. He died to bring us into fellowship with himself. God's very presence is our source of fullness and joy. At, the right, at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. All the works of redemption are means of that. That's, that's out of Psalms uh, 16. In Psalm 40, 16, it says, May those who love your salvation say continually, what? Great is the Lord. It doesn't say, great is salvation. Great is the Lord. Salvation is about the Lord. In this new year, doesn't it sound like an opportunity to really consider our purpose, our end, as Westminster Confession says, what is the chief end of man? I deal in the dash, personally. You know, not the 40-yard not the dash. I, I deal in the dash. That's that, little do, that's that little hyphen between birth date and death date. I hear more uh, messages and memorials than any of you. I deal with markers, which is, you know, the gravestones, because I'm a funeral director, so I deal in the dash. And so I hear a lot of testimony as to what life is about. Oh, he was a wonderful man. People that can be real scoundrels. Oh, he was a wonderful guy, blah, blah. You know, and I'm not being sarcastic. I'm just kind of, uh, well, maybe I am. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the dash is what is the significance of our life. That whole life we live. Um, but... If we're really honest with ourselves, most of the time, we're mostly concerned with our comfort and our entertainment. Let's be honest. I don't want to be too hot or too cold. We like to live in that 70 degrees range. I, I'm getting older. I really appreciate that. You know, I don't like to be too hot or cold. We, we don't like to be too hungry. Unless we're fasting, and then there's a good spiritual reason for it. No, but we don't, I don't like it. Uh, we have lots of other needs we want met. We don't like to be lonely. Some of us have even more altruistic needs and desires. We want to make a difference in the world. But for all of us, there's also that other thing called survival in the dash. Paul addressed it all the time, didn't he, in his letters to the churches. He talked about circumstances. He would say, look at me. 
Look at my example. I know how to be content whether I'm hungry or full, whether I'm married or unmarried, whether I'm, uh, you know, with want or having plenty. And he even says, hey, you know, don't get married if you can do it. Be blessed and don't be married because for me, you know, that's one less thing to worry about, pleasing a wife. <laughs> he said it. He did. But, I mean, truthfully, we have, we have a lot going on in our life. Heidelberg Catechism, uh, the 16th century Reformation, it was a question and answer training they used for teenagers initially, but the whole Protestant church embraced it. And uh, it, it spread through Germany and the Netherlands, and, and, and it was really great because the question, the first question is, what is your only comfort in life and in death? And I like to play with that word comfort. We think of comfort, we think of those things I just talked about, but what is your only comfort in life and in death, it's that I, with body and soul in life and in death, am not my own, but belong to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. So our ultimate comfort in anything in life and in our death is that we belong to Jesus Christ. And, and we can spend a lot of time spinning and spinning and trying to avoid that reality, uh, which we do, but that's, that's the heart of the gospel. So it seems pretty clear to me, at least, that Paul's first priority and our, as true believers, our first priority is that we value Christ. Number one, we know him. Verse 8, more than that, I count all things, you know, being a zealous keeper of the law things, to be loss in view of what? The surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. In order that I may attain to the resurrection of the dead, he says, not that I have already attained this, but I already have become perfect, but I what? Press on. The relationship part of of being in Christ is pressing on, keeping moving. So the question here is, do you know him? Are you in Christ? That's a question that only you and I can wrestle for ourselves. And when we do, it's, we know that salvation was initiated by the Holy Spirit, that he's the one that softens our hearts. He's the one pulling us and drawing him closer to himself. But how do you know? How do you know if you are in Christ? If, if you're honest with yourself, we don't always want Christ. We don't. That's the very nature of sin. Let me ask you a question. Does your heart break when you do sin? Does it make you feel sad when you turn away from the deepest longing of your heart, which is Christ? If the answer is yes, he is drawing you. He has drawn you, and he's, he's inviting you deeper into that relationship. Romans 14, 7, Paul says to the Romans, For none of us lives for ourselves alone, None of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for Christ. If we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. And for this reason, Christ died and returned to life so that we might, he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. Pretty basic, huh? But we never outgrow the gospel. The gospel ministers to us day after day. And whether we see the gospel in the letters of Paul or in the Gospels itself, one of the four Gospels, or we read the Old Testament and we see how the law was answered with the coming Messiah, 
It's about the relationship. Knowing Christ that brings peace. The relationship brings joy. The relationships is accepted by, acceptance by God. So for Paul, to live is Christ is to know Christ. Number two, and, and I'll take a lot less time on the last two points, I promise. If you know Christ, you're also a member of his body. To live is Christ is to know and be known in this place. We don't, and here's why. We don't fully, Christ, we don't, have a, we don't have a way to express our love for Christ unless we're in a body expressing it one to another into the world. I mean, yes, we, we can pray. We can say, oh, I love you, Lord. But if we did that by ourselves every day of our life, we would have truly no way of expressing it, no way of entering into his suffering. Because the only way we can enter into Christ's suffering and express our love for him is to suffer with one another. The best thing I ever did is when I came into this congregation, way back when I first married Kyla, and hurting and, and dealing with a lot in my life was to stay put. Pastor David comes on the scene. Wow, things were changing. I stayed put. People come and go. I stay put. And you know what's happened over, the, over that process, especially in the last year or so? As we have just heard the word of God faithfully week after week from Pastor David and we've dealt with relationship stuff here is that my love for you has grown. Yes, even when I keep asking your name again and again, there's a longing within me to know you better. And, and I can't tell you how many conversations Kyle and I have at home. Oh, we, should, we need to invite them over. Oh, we need to have them. Oh, we need to get together with them. Why? Because there's a longing for, for, for me to know you deeper than the, hello, how are you doing? Yeah, did you have a good week? Awesome. Yeah, how was your week? I don't know. It was good. Blah, 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 blah. It's like, like there's a longing to go beyond the chit-chat that happens over here and over here. I, I can't tell you. It's just, now, what is that? What is that desire to know you better? It's called being the body of Christ together. I have something special with you. How do I put Even more so than some of my own blood family who are not in Christ, truthfully. There's something about you that draws me to you, that makes me want to be in lock arms with you and walk this life together. As messy as it is, as broken as we are, we see God in one another, and we just want to keep growing together. And so I'm so excited, a little plug here, I'm so excited for the next series because Pastor David has been preparing to have us consider what does it mean to be a church? What does it mean to be more than, than just we come week after week and we do these things? What does it mean to commit to one another in the body of Christ to really love? And, and it, means, it could be, means commitment and membership and, and things. So... Um, but let's hear Paul's heart on this, and then we'll probably cut it off and, and we'll do it the rest of another time. But when you don't get to preach every week, you always like prepare way more than you could possibly say because it's so exciting to, anyway. Um, listen to Paul's heart, verse 3 to 8. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in every, for all of you. And then he goes on to say, I feel this way, to, I feel this way. It's right that I feel this way because I have you in my heart. And then he goes on to say, all of you are partakers of grace 
with me. And he talks about how he longs for all of you with the affection of Christ. And he talks about how them, they as a church are standing firm in one spirit, one mind, striving together, locking arms together for the sake of the gospel. That sounds like a congregation that knows each other, that loves one another, that is united for the cause of the gospel. That's, that's who we are. Whether we know each other well or not, here's, you know, we're going towards the day when we're going to just do that better and better and go deeper and deeper, and I'm totally excited about that. So Paul, Paul's heart is that he knows Christ, but, he, but he, that the body of Christ knows one another and has affection for one another. You see, in this book we're reading as elders about church membership right now, it describes the church as an embassy, a kingdom within a kingdom, and that's who we are. We're, we're an embassy. We're, a, we're under the kingship of Christ, united together in submission to Christ and in submission to one another. And we're going to learn a lot more about that in the coming week. So we stand together, firm in one spirit. And the other part about being a church together is we're going to strive towards authentic relationship. Um, Paul Evanson, did you know that he wrote a book called uh, Authentic Relationship? He co-wrote that book. And he said this, Many people are surrounded by people and friends, but still feel alone and empty, overcome by hunger. We will dumpster dive in any low place where there might be a hint of relationship. I long to go deeper in relationship with you instead of dumpster diving on Facebook. I mean, wait, I mean, that, that came out wrong. But I got lots of friends. I got, I got hundreds of friends on Facebook. And guess what? I know some of you better on Facebook than I know you from talking with you here. Ouch. I long to go deeper in relationship, and I think that's what Christ longs for us. And that's the heart of Paul. To, to, to live is Christ. To die is gain. And lastly, as a church, we want to make him known. He talks about that in uh, verse 22, 24, 26. Read read, read Philippians on your own and, and we'll get that. But we are going to continue to grow in serving the world by not only serving each other, but by reaching the lost in, in faith and in love as the Philippians were challenged to do. To live is Christ. To die is gain. So this year, you won't find a YouTube video that will help you with all the challenges you will face in the year 2019. But you have Christ. To live is Christ. To die is gain. Let's pray.